The Magic Hour is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Andy, ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. That's an amazing. That's a lot of percent. No, that that's Big, Many percent. Big time savings for fans and these game tickets. You know, tickets to anything are really expensive now. This is how you save a little bit of cash on those transactions. That's right. So the Lakers, they'll eventually be back in town. They spend most of December out of town, but they're going to be back. You know when they might be back? You're like, what if you want those big Christmas Day tickets? Ooh, Ooh that yeah. is a big ticket, my you don't, friend. You don't want to pay 100% of that. You want nope. to pay like 40% of that. Um, and because like Merry Christmas. And so you do that with game time. You get the two, uh, two tap checkout system, uh, makes it simple while you save money, you save money quickly. Right. It's an efficient way to save money in right. addition to just saving the money. Nobody like, wants you don't to, have to jump through hoops no, to save people that People don't money. want it to be, if you're going to save money, you want to do it quickly, uh, and you want to be, get it over with. Yeah. Yeah. Like going to the doctor. <laughs> exactly. But but, but better. Get, but something better. And it, it's not like you can go to the doctor for 60% off. No, and, and it definitely is more than two taps. Exactly. <laughs> Especially depending on the doctor. I had a doctor's visit recently that was, it was at least two taps <laughs> in some tough areas. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. The game time app is simple, quick, and e- <laughs> simple, quick and easy to navigate. So download the game time app in the Google Play or app App Store and score last minute deals on tickets up to sixty percent off. better now <laughs> should be noted uh andy the magic hour welcome back to the magic hours episode seven i believe it is seven, seven of the magic hours december 8th mm-hmm. uh that much i know uh andy kamenetsky brian kamenetsky i'm brian uh he is andy uh thank you so much for people who are, are finding this podcast who have subscribed to it we certainly want to encourage you uh to continue listening subscribe to it uh leave us a review like that that's good you know all that kind of stuff bump up those ratings yeah, don't do it if you're going to bump it down. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> I was there were some assumptions there, Andy. Like they were automatically just from listening going to bump it up. No, I think which I guess a, is not true. No, but it is in our particular case. It's a safe assumption for other podcasts. Right, I wouldn't be cocky. like Orem's. Right. Oh yeah, Orem should Orem should not be Orem and Dawson to are a train wreck. But right. for a podcast like this one, safe assumption. Another thing, high rated right now, Brian. What the Lakers? They are good. Seg twenty one and three. They beat Minnesota Sunday night as we. Uh, uh, as we talked to you after the Sunday a victory over Minnesota, 142 to 125. That's a lot of scoring. Lakers, is, Lakers are pouring on points. They scored 77 points against Portland on Friday by halftime. Yeah. 77. Now, Andy, I have been covering basketball for a while now. And, mm-hmm. you know, you and I have been doing this. And, and so our opinion and our analysis is is weighty. Yeah. I would agree. I think you would agree with that. Right? Oh, absolutely. 77 is a lot. I'm who I get most of my information <laughs> That's from. right. In my well-studied basketball opinion, 
77 at halftime is a lot. Man, it's it, a lot. It's and a then, lot. Yeah, and then 142 in this game. Anthony Davis with 50 points. What, what's amazing, really, too, about this this 142 points is that they did it, you know, with part of a first half where LeBron was in foul trouble, big time a, foul trouble, a, and, and a very rare thing to be in foul trouble. And well, for a guy that averages <laughs> 1.7 fouls a game uh, per game, right. yeah, this is really unusual. And it was funny too; like a couple of those calls were uh, from from Natalie Sago or Saga. I don't know how she pronounces her, pronounces her last name. And LeBron does the star LeBron thing. It was a block there. I think it's pronounced hater, right? And you know there was a play where he thought it was a block, and another. She was. 100% right on all of them, at least the ones that I saw, you know, that was able to catch the replays of. Um, and he, he didn't complain that hard. But, yeah, you're right. They do this with LeBron on the bench. They do it without uh, Rajon Rondo, who I know many Lakers fans are still, even now, a little little apprehensive about. But as Frank Vogel pointed out after the game, to to be able to run the offense well without both of those guys, without yeah. two of their quarterbacks, as he put it, um, was certainly uh, and Rondo, a by thing. the way, has actually played, played really well. Thus far, I just tra- he's been good. Let's, I just traded for him in my fantasy league, and the bleeper pulls a hamstring that night. <laughs> it's a long season. The hell, Rondo! It's a long season. I mean, I mean he's I, he's been dealing with this hamstring. It's been bothering him now. I think well, for, talk about it. He, he talk, has talk more about it. <laughs> I was going to say for somebody who covers this team, you. I mean, like I knew it was been a thing. Sore. But like, don't start like pulling yourself. He's fine. He's playing well. He played like 28 minutes the night before that. Everything seems fine with your hamstring. Don't be playing all those minutes if you're not fine. Okay, that's all I'm saying about that. I was a little angry, uh, but to do, they did it without their quarterbacks, and it was a, it was a, it was they still were able to put. Now look, they shot 45 percent from three point range, 14 of uh, 31. We've long established that when the Lakers shoot that well, they're basically unbeatable. Um, because even when they were Andy, you know, ten games in or something like fifteen games in, when they were the, you know, the eighteenth best three point shooting team in the league, they were still second in the league in field goal percentage overall. They are incredibly efficient from everywhere else on the floor. So when they shoot threes, it's over. Well, especially too, like when when they shoot threes well. But also when they do like one, maybe two other things that are indicative of a team that's really focused and cutting down on the little things that can hurt you, like tonight against Minnesota, they only have 10, 10 turnovers. turnovers. If, if the Lakers, the way they play, shoot 45% from three and only have 10 turnovers, they're borderline impossible to beat, even with LeBron and foul 10 trouble. turnovers, 32 assists on 55 buckets. Again, or like Rondo. during the uh, 3-0 and road trip, which was a really impressive yeah, road trip. That, let's let's talk about that. Well, <laughs> yeah. leading up leading up to this, this win that they had tonight, like it wasn't just that they played really well, obviously, you know, going into Denver, then on the second end of a back-to-back, going into Utah, two days later going to Portland. Like those are three places that are always hard to win in. No matter Portland, how good Portland's disappointing, but they won four or five heading into right. that game. Well, I mean, but no matter how good or how bad Denver, Utah, or Portland are, those are always hard places to play on the road. Just, traditionally, in the Denver game that the Lakers won, they out rebounded Portland, uh, Denver, fifty six to thirty five, right. and they, then like, they turn around in Utah, thirteen steals, twelve blocks, and, and only yeah. seven turnovers. Right, and those it was what I thought was great about the road trip, and we we talked about it last week, like. Okay, here comes a test. 
you could lose one of those games. You could even lose two of those games and still actually not even have it be a bad trip, depending on how those games look. Utah is the kind of game that Phil Jackson used to refer to as a scheduled loss. Second night of a back-to-back, both at high altitude, you know, against good teams. And but, but the thing about it, though, is like they talked about it as a challenge. They talked about the need to tighten up. They talked about, you know, some of the the bad habits that they got into over the course of that 10-game win streak because they were playing lesser teams where they could get away with it. But the Dallas game that was kind of the impetus for that last week when they lost at home to Dallas, it wasn't even that they played a bad game defensively. They played a bad half and snapped back into it and said, we're going to go back out on the road. And clearly they had heard the you know, the the criticism that they hadn't played anyone after they finished. It was at the Portland game or the Utah game. Jared Dudley tweeted out, have we played it was any- after the Utah have game? Have we played anybody yet? Or, you yeah. know, whatever it was. <laughs> like, you, sh- you sure we haven't played anybody? So, like, that that becomes a thing again. But, like, they went and Denver and Utah both struggled a little bit offensively. But those are good teams. And they destroyed them. And not only did they destroy those like teams. Like, they couldn't Brian. score. Like, they right. locked down on those teams, and they could not score. But not only did they destroy Denver, then Utah, then, I mean, kicked the crap out Again, of Portland. Again, then they turned around and put 77 points up on them at halftime. But they, each game on this road trip, they dominated the team more. Mm-hmm. Like, they progressively dominated their opponent on the road in three really hostile buildings. And, you know, we, we you just mentioned before, Brian, how they, they were becoming aware of that chatter that they were a product of their schedule. And, look, I had written about this after the Dallas game. Like, they clearly are a really good team. I mean, like, the eyeball test and common sense lets you know they're obviously really good. You like, can't – it's at this – at the in the NBA, to, you win 10 games in a row – you're good. Yes. Like there's, there's just like, I it's realize too hard otherwise. It's too hard. I mean, I look, I understand like people we're LA fans are back into that sort of championship mindset. They're supposed to just annihilate. If you win, I was talking to somebody in, in the media room today about this. Like people forget if you win an NBA game by like seven points, that's a decisive win where you will almost always cover the spread. If you beat a team by 10, I don't care who the team is. I don't care which team it was or where you're playing. That is a decisive, clear, sort of overwhelming win. Ten points at the NBA level. So, you know, the Lakers squeaked out a couple here. But you win ten in a row, you're really sure. Good. But but that being said, one of the things that I wrote about was just when you started looking at the wins that they had because they were undefeated to that point. They're still undefeated against teams under 500, which means they are going out. And they are they are not taking these wins for granted. They're also not treating them as unimportant. They're recognizing like it's it's vital to stack these wins. Correct. In terms of your overall record, but just building habits. But then if you started looking at what had happened, you know, right at that Dallas loss, you know, they the three wins that they had against teams that were above five hundred, Utah didn't have Bogdanovich, Miami didn't have Justice Winslow. The win in Dallas was good, but like a lot had to happen to make it happen. And then the three losses that they had against teams above 500 were all by double digits. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there was that slippage that even the players cop to was happening. And they recognized, okay, we are getting into a harder part of the schedule and we can't have these right. bad it's, habits snowball. It's, and it was, it's reasonable. Like beyond what people right. are saying about us, we recognize what Correct. this is. And it's, it's reasonable. It was, it's reasonable to look at the, what, what you just pointed out and say, 
okay, let's see what happens when they play, have a really hard road trip or a really hard December or whatever it might be. And they still have a hard December in Vernon, but they're already 4-0 to start it. So it's like, you know, again, like they've done with every four and other. One. Dallas was in December. Dallas oh, was, was December it? 1st. Okay, so they're 4-1. and one. Yes. Um, which is still good. Yes. So it's, it, they've they, like they did in November, like they've built up like a, another cushion here. And the answer to the question is what happened to what happens when they play good teams is yeah, they're still really good. Yeah. Um, cause even Minnesota, you know, Minnesota's hit, hit the skids a little bit, but they started strong and they've got Carl Anthony Towns who Anthony Davis loves to play against. Um, and you know, they're not horrible. No. And so, you know, the Lakers come in and they take care of business again. Uh, they go on a road trip now, five games, uh, some winnable ones on this one. Uh, the the highlight game here is going to be the Milwaukee game. Right. It's the fourth game on the trip. Milwaukee right now, for those who are not paying attention to the Eastern Conference, they are destroying yes. teams. They're on, I believe, a 14-game winning streak right now. They just beat the crap out of the Clippers. Mm-hmm. I mean, just took them apart. Um, and so, you know, that that is obviously going to be, be a, a marquee game. game. Uh, it's the fourth game on the trip, so you have a little bit of time to prepare, um, find a babysitter for the kids and all that kind of stuff. So Anthony Davis goes for 50 tonight. Um, JaVale McGee was asked after the game when he thought, like he recognized that AD might go off like that. He said, halftime, when he had 30, did the math. <laughs> <laughs> JaVale, JaVale. Is, JaVale is so good for our purposes. Mm. When, when JaVale is in the mood, for that stuff, he's so great. Well, he's a great combination of a, he's a really bright guy with a really unique way of kind of looking at things. He's honest and will tell you the answer to the question that you ask him. But he's also uh, a guy who will call out the stupid question yes. with a like a really short. Yes, it's and, the obvious. And you answer, and I have answer. always been fans of players. I appreciate who do that. that, even when I'm at the wrong end. Yeah. Of it. Like, if I ask you a really stupid, dumb, obvious Year, question. I mean, years ago, Kobe, you know, called you out when you were just rambling. That question. was right. That was because there was no <laughs> discernible way to figure out what the question was. Because sometimes, sometimes, Andy, like you've been there, like you're kind of like, you got to ask the question when it's your turn or you get a chance and you jump in there and do it. But sometimes you're trying to like workshop the question <laughs> while you're asking it, and that's a hard time. And, like you, and the the wor- the the problem. Then we're not the only people who ever do this. Everyone does. Is when you get into problems with it, you never just cut to the chase of ask the simplest way to no get no into the no. Question. You start adding right layers you talk to it. your way into the question, right. and, and then you, you and, rampled for so long. Yeah, Kobe but, finally just looked at you and said, "What the hell's your question?" And then I and I stopped and I restated the question in about. One fourteenth of the time, <laughs> and he answered it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, they're, they're, that's one of the mistakes people make. The other one that people make all the time is asking a question and providing options for the answers. Young journalism students don't do that. Just yep. ask the question. Yep. Um, anyway, so AD goes for fifty tonight, and it was uh, uh, as Frank Vogel called it an old school fifty with no three pointers, which is something Vogel appreciated. He was twenty of twenty nine from the field. <laughs> that is really good. Twenty of twenty nine from the field, ten of ten from the free throw line. Uh, he also had four steals and a block. Um, Vogel is not pleased with the defense on Sunday, but he did point out Anthony Davis's. 
AD had 30, what was it, 39 against Portland? Um, yes. 39 against Portland, 26 against Utah, um, and that was on 9 of 11 from the floor. 25 against Denver. And 25 against Denver, 27 against Denver. So, like, the, there was that brief moment where we were like, what's wrong with Anthony Davis offensively? We're past that now. Well, Look, I don't think we we weren't really no, part of I, that, but there was there were questions. Is well, he comfortable? He, is it, the truth he's is fine. It, right, but the truth is, a few weeks ago he wasn't he comfortable. Like, well, he had like two or th- he had two sub Anthony Davis. Sure, but games I mean, but he even said, "I'm finding my way mm-hmm. in this offense." Like, I mean, it wasn't it, it wasn't overwrought to be saying that he wasn't. It wasn't completely comfortable because he, he said he was completely wasn't. comfortable. But it wasn't it was completely overwrought to equate that to not producing no he was, he was clearly he was, producing he was uncomfortable at 26 points a game right that's my point point. and so this the, I, I for my uh, i'm writing it may by the time people listen to this it will hopefully be we posted at the athletic i went back and looked at some of my preseason predictions uh that i made about this team and, and one of them was that the lakers wouldn't be uh the best team in the western conference both in the regular season and eventually in the postseason, but first in the regular season, or second or third. I'm going to be wrong <laughs> about all three of yeah. those things. Yeah. Um, the Lakers are, are at worst, going to be the second. Because the Clippers are not going to... I thought the Lakers and Clippers would do things in kind of a similar way. Um, that the Lakers would need a little time to gel, and it turned out they did need a little time, 48 minutes in the first game, and since then they've been fine. Um, but they wouldn't really hit the gas because the seating doesn't really matter to them. They're twenty-one and three. Um, nobody, Dallas is not going to catch them. They're second in the conference. I think the Lakers, after Sunday's game, have a four and a half game lead on them. Um, and Denver is after them. I think they're five and a half back, or you know, five. And that's they're not probably not going to catch them either. At worst, though, we're talking about the second seed because the Clippers are not going to hit the gas with Kawhi the way he is. I also said the Lakers were going to win fifty-two games. Do you remember, Andy, before the season when 52 games was actually above a lot of the projections that people had for them? Yeah. So I was like, people are going to be like, 52 games? <laughs> Idiot. Except I was actually going over what a lot of people thought. I'm still going to be very well, wrong. Well, here's the thing, too. Assuming I mean, there, everything, everybody there, stays There was healthy. the idea with the Lakers that they would take some time to gel, even if you thought they'd be good. And, they did. And 48 most, minutes. Right. But most people thought they would be good. But they just thought it would take more time. More time. And then there's a difference between regular season good and playoff Right. Good. But also, too, there was the idea that, you know, load management would become more a of a thing yes. than it has been so far. Like, I mean, nobody on this team has been load managed for, like, the sake of load management right. and the way it's often defined. What, what I think is great about this for the Lakers is they've been able to do what they've done, run up this record. LeBron's usage rate is... You know, at the low end of his career norms. So he's not doing anything crazy. And his minutes are lower than they've ever been. Sure. And, you know, people look at it as a 34 versus 38. If you're LeBron, that's actually a big difference. Four or five minutes a night is a big difference. AD, who is 26 and theoretically should be able to do as much as you want, isn't doing anything crazy either. And, you know, the usage is right in line with his career norms. And the minutes are right in line, and they're easier minutes because he's now playing next. But to here's the third thing too, in so far as the Lakers having this type of record that right now is, you know, better than you and I thought. I mean, really better than anybody other than just the biggest Laker homer, Michael could have, right? Could have ever predicted. <laughs> the West isn't quite as hard 
as everybody thought You're it was right. going and to that, be. And that's the, the, to the point I was making before about how teams aren't going, like there are fewer teams in position to kind of catch them. Right. I, I don't mean, think anybody expected the Lakers to run and hide the way they have. And I also thought there would be two or three teams with records that were sort of comparable. Right. I mean, uh, people expected Portland to be better than they are right now. I think mm-hmm. there had been some hope. You know, that Utah was supposed to be Utah better. Utah was supposed record. to be better. Uh, I, some people thought Sacramento might be better. Def- some people weren't willing to give up on San Antonio. Right. And right now. And that doesn't mean those teams would have been competing with the Lakers. It just means that. Just means it'd be harder. They become harder wins to right. gather. Exactly. And then in the meantime, right now, as of this recording, there are only six teams in the West above 500. No. It's weird. So, I mean, that that's a thing. You know, the, and the Pelicans have struggled more than people thought. Like, you know what they are, Andy? Pelicans. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. Love that. Um, you know, the Warriors are, even if you thought it was going to be a down year, the Warriors are way worse than... It's 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 down. Yes. It's like, it's really down. The Warriors are awful. So, I mean, the, the, the West being not what people thought it would be heading into this season also allows the Lakers in part right. and to reach 21-3. It's, it's very possible, too, that they're going to kind of be able to have their cake and eat it, too, where they they can continue to try to preserve players for the playoffs while maintaining. Look, I mean, the Lakers don't need to. LeBron James does not need to be a number one seed. He doesn't need to have home court advantage in a game seven. But you won't turn but, it down. I mean, like, right. I mean, if you can, Andy, there's no reason to say no to it. And I think the the important thing is, with the Clippers, probably not going to matter either. The, the composition of that roster, especially if it's Lakers versus Clippers, nobody's going anywhere. The crowd is – this is a conversation we'll have a few times. I am the, the the crowd at Laker home games will be very Lakery. I This is going to be one of the uh, most amazing tests of the secondary market in, in in LA because a Clippers home game against the Lakers has a ton of Lakers fans in it. Oh yeah. So but will that happen in the playoffs? I don't know. But either way, a lot of a lot of it isn't so much the building, it's the travel, it's sure. the schedule and all that. But you take home court advantage away from Utah. You take it away from Denver. You take it away from Houston. Houston. Like these are teams where it matters. If Dallas happens to stick around as long as they it's going to be a huge deal for them Absolutely. to be able to play on their home court. So I mean if you can get there yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. Plus, I mean, you know, if you get to the finals and you happen to have a better record than, say, Milwaukee or mm-hmm. Philly or whoever, that's also big. Um, possibly have that game. You know, you and I covered the Lakers in 2010 when, you know, that seven-game series against Boston. Having game seven inside Staples Center was massive yeah. for that game. Um, so, the, the, one of the other... Even for an experienced team, yeah, it was massive. For sure. And so, like, they really, they're in a great, I mean, they're in a great spot. Uh, going on a road trip where they actually should do reasonably well to keep this thing going. Um, the other one of the other things I, in this post that I, that I predicted for AD was that he would win, uh, that he would he would average thirty points a game. I don't think he's going to get there. I, I haven't looked up what he is. I don't know if it's been updated. I guess he's up to twenty seven point seven after dropping fifty um, on Sunday. I don't know. What you need to average over the final, I guess, 57 games, 58 games to get above 30 when you're at 27.7 at this point in the season. I, I don't know how to do that kind of math, but it's probably 32 or 33 a game. Wouldn't you think? Something like that? Sure. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, argue, it's, it's something like that. Right. I mean, I just, it and sounds about right and I can't do the I don't math think either. he's going to average over 30 points a game, 31, 32 for the rest of the season, in part because I'm starting to think he's not going to need to. 
they're going to be too many games where AD might be able to sit down at 24 to counteract games like this one where you are the Portland game where he goes for 39. Um, but the other half of that, though, was that he would put up MVP caliber numbers. And this is where I think it gets really interesting because MVP is not a, a, an award that's just given out to the best player. It's given to the best player, the best team with the best story. With all right, I was going to say it's right. often given out to the best narrative. Giannis right now is outperforming statistically, outperforming AD um, on the offensive stuff and the defensive stuff. I think it's reasonable to say right now he's the MVP of the league. But the fact the Lakers are in this position actually boosts the chances of Davis winning an MVP because they're looks like they're going to be a number one seed in the West, which is, and if he kind of over the course of the season keeps asserting himself both offensively and defensively, he's going to take some of the the shine away from LeBron, who I think was actually the leading Laker candidate for the first 17, 18 games. If you were going to pick somebody for MVP and the fact that you can choose between two of these guys explains why the Lakers are 21 and 3. Well, I mean, look, when you, when you look at the NBA over the last 20 or so years, like, you know, 20, 30 years, like it's not there aren't many teams that have two guys who are in the thick of the MVP conversations. That it doesn't happen often that a team is that fortunate. You know, you saw it with the Warriors with Stephen and Durant and those teams won championships. Right. You saw it with Kobe and Shaq those teams won three in a row when both of those guys were like top five MVP candidates. You know, I mean, it, when something like that does happen, you know, again, it is historically rare, but those teams are going to be really good. I, I'm sure there was at least one year with the Heatles where like LeBron either won MVP or came in second and Dwayne Wade was in the top six. So, but what's funny about like, I'm glad you mentioned and those, those teams Lakers. won championships, I'm, too. Or I'm glad at least you mentioned those finals. Lakers teams, though, because like those Heat teams, like you said, kind of condition everyone to the big three the the warriors conditioned people to the big three which eventually became the big four you forget like and and so people before the season kind of were like well who's gonna be that third guy who steps up to be the third best players it can be kyle kuzma can danny green be that good like and all this other stuff and some of that was predicated on maybe some feeling that lebron wouldn't be as good as he is currently playing but at some of it's just the conditioning now oh you need three now you need three now you need three now the real analog i think for this team is the are those shaq kobe teams where you have two guys who are so good that on any given night they're if those guys are playing well they're gonna be really hard to beat and if those guys are playing well and they get Two good performances from someone else, it'd be damn near impossible. Right. To be. I mean, w- the Lakers right now, the supporting cast behind Anthony Davis and LeBron James, they don't have to be all star caliber. It'd be great if they were. You know, I mean, like oh, you if said, you th- if, you had a, if Kuzma had made the leap and now he's like borderline all star, it'd be great. Right. I mean, and it, I still think it is important for, if not one guy, certainly two or three guys to be reliable. In that sense, that if nothing else, you know what you're going to get from them, because the idea that, you know, it could be anybody, I think sometimes can become too easy to become. It could be nobody either. Like, well, it, I it's, think particularly, particularly in the playoffs. Right. I mean, it, you you do want some type of hierarchy 
to organically form. And, you know, Kuzma seemed the most logical guy to become that number three. And but, still could. And still could. You know, I mean, the longer he can actually stay on the court and catch a groove, right. I think, you know, will fact increase is, those chances. And as, as disappointing as Kuzma is, he's not been awful. It's, I mean, but nobody hasn't been great either. But rel- no, he has, he has not. But re- and relative to the success of the rest of the roster, he, he's been dis- he's definitely been disappointing. He's, he's stuck out because he's really the only guy who can't, you know, Quinn Cook, Daniels, they're hit and miss, but those are really fringy players on this team. You know, everybody else, you kind of look at it and go, yeah, that guy's either doing more or less what you would hope or, wow, even better. Kuzma's the exception to that. It hasn't mattered. Right. Like, that's the I thing. Was gonna so say, there's time for this to work out. What we've seen is as long as LeBron and Anthony Davis get some degree of help, like mm-hmm. tangible help from, you know, a couple guys scoring, a couple guys rebounding, you know, you have one or two guys hitting outside shots. Or just locked, you know, the, the centers are playing lockdown right. defense. You, you have one or two guys that are giving some tangible piece of support. This team is damn near impossible to beat because the other two guys, LeBron and Anthony Davis, they're giving you on a nightly basis MVP caliber play. Just let me go through Sunday night. LeBron was 32, 32 points. 13 rebounds. Um, he only played 20, barely, about, well, rounding up 28 minutes. We mentioned Anthony Davis with the 50, 50 points. Um, but they got four three-pointers from Danny Green, and they were like daggery type things, like just because Minnesota was scoring and they just could not get a stop. And I, it is demoralizing when the other guys, I think, start pouring it on. And they got 16 from Alex Caruso. Yeah. So like when Alex, if if LeBron and AD are playing well, and the Lakers get sixteen from Alex Caruso, they're going to win. Most likely, yeah. I mean, I <laughs> they are most going likely to gonna win. win those games. Um, you know, the defense tonight wasn't great, but it was certainly good enough, and uh, it is nice to see that the Lakers can outscore teams as well um, as just. You know, locking them down to the to the point of submission. So uh, good stuff from the Lakers on Sunday, and they'll they'll continue it out on the road trip. Uh, Andy, I have a question for you. Sure. Do you ever wonder how to get the hottest new sneakers? Not hot, but the hottest. Uh, the ones that barely hit the shelves. The answer is StockX, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches. And handbags. Absolutely. Millions are already using StockX to find everything after it sells out, from the latest Yeezys to every retro Jordan to the hottest new streetwear. Brands like Supreme, Bape, Palace, Kith. I mean, you can add the Air Jordan 1 Fearless UNC Chicago to your rotation, or you maybe feel... <laughs> Stop insulting me as if I already don't have it in my rotation. You feel a little nostalgic. You get a pair of Air Max 95s. You can find it all or more. More than that, StockX for prices even lower than retail. You know what I like to do? I like to take a wine from that same year, like a 95, pour it into one of those Jordans and drink it. Wow. 
That yeah. is both a terrible a, use of the wine and the shoes, but uh, but uh, it's a baller move. Well, I mean, look, me. I mean, the prices are so good at mm-hmm. StockX that you can totally waste your money on the wine and shoe purchases <laughs> well, because it's a deal. A deal's a deal, right? And it, it does defray some of the cost of the wine. That is true. <laughs> no, it's, um, it's a terrible use of both product. But and if you if you like sort of you gamification you, of stuff, StockX uses the same principles as the stock market to make buying and selling as safe and easy as possible. You buy low and you sell high. Mm-hmm. That's what I know about the stock market. <laughs> it provides real-time market data for intelligent buying and selling. It gives you access to tons of historical price data. You can see exactly how much an item is sold for uh, in the like the, the in the past and how much it's selling for now. Like you want those uh, hip shoes that Pete Carroll wears mm-hmm. on the sideline. Probably a good deal. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Probably buy low on this because those are not hip. Right. Uh, but want, they will be authentic. Yeah, you want a good price for when you eventually pour wine in them. Cheap one. <laughs> uh, StockX, has, uh, StockX has an exciting offer for the athletic listeners. Use promo code BBALL2019 for $20 off your next purchase. You can visit www.stockx.com backslash BBALL for more information. Do people say that www or do they say www now these days? Uh, it, they, depend, it depends on the do, region. It's kind of taken for granted now that the, the, the Ws are there. You don't even need them. Um, yeah, StockX. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Alex Caruso before we move on. This this Caruso thing, it's like legit. Like he is, we had, there are a lot of people like us who had hoped he would get fourth quarter minutes. And he, at the beginning of the year, they weren't there. Really no minutes were there. And he's sort of slowly earned that, particularly as Avery Bradley has gone out. He is exactly what everybody who wanted to see this hoped he would be defensively can shoot a little bit can handle the ball a little bit does not get in the way in the slightest with anything else that's going on no he's really morphed into one of the most valuable members of this team. i mean i was somebody who was very high on caruso heading into this season and really believed in the last two months of last year that march and april where he played extremely well managed to energize lebron like some of the most energized we saw from LeBron last season was during that period before they eventually shut him down. But the Lakers were playing out the string and LeBron was basically the only Laker who mattered, who wasn't hurt. But he's playing these games with Caruso and Caruso's energy and the effort. And, you know, frankly, some of the, the production that people didn't expect was. Well, I mean, let's, was, let's, let's be honest, like you see the bald white guy do it. Right. Like. That's pretty cool. Right. But I, mean, I realize it's different for LeBron. He practices with the guy every right, day. But, but still, it's. No, but it, you never heard but, of him. Right. But you also don't know how it's going to be in actual games. I mean, practice is practice, but games are a different thing. And even though the Lakers were playing out the string and these games, for all intents and purposes, were meaningless for them, they they largely were playing playoff caliber teams that were trying to jockey for the best position possible. So they were going up against teams that had a stake in beating them. Mm-hmm. So they had a stake in shutting down Caruso, and Caruso was winning those matchups, which was made me think, okay, this could be a real thing. Right. And he got, But he got off to a rough start this year. Yes. It was, it was not yes, it was he raggedy did. and all these other things. But and this is where I think the, the composition and, and the roles that they need on this team really do favor him. And he talked about this after the game Sunday night. Like, what he's being asked to do is like he's I said he's in his, the scoring is ramped up a little bit lately, which is going to be really helpful, particularly shooting. He was two or three from three point range on Sunday. Yeah, he needs to be a better shooter than scorer because there's a difference. Correct. Yes. Um, 
it would be good if he, you know, he was he was very efficient finishing at the rim last year and all all that would be really helpful. But but there's a difference. Primarily, he needs to be able to shooter. handle the ball, make the right pass, and hit a three pointer yes. when asked to, and then defend. And Vogel has said more than once uh, after games he is a an, an elite, like world class defensive guard. And if you put that on the the perimeter, and he's a competent outside shooter that you have to pay attention to, and you have Anthony Davis inside, maybe next to Dwight Howard, or if they're going small, some you know, and you have an active, engaged LeBron in important moments, like that team is going to be really freaking Danny Green. Yeah, that team is going to be really hard to score against. And we spent a lot of the preseason, Andy, talking about. The Clippers and how do you score against that team down the stretch? You can only pick on Lou Williams so much. The Lakers are really going to be in the same boat here. And Caruso plays a huge role in that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he's he got the size where he can guard ones or twos. If he got switched onto a three, he's strong enough that I think he can make up for some of the height that he'd be giving up. I would agree. He is very smart about the way he goes about defense. He he goes to the right spots. He doesn't give up. That's like a huge it, it, thing, that he's always in the right place. Yes. He's predictable. Yeah, he, he's absolutely Coaches predictable. need that, and you good know, defensive teams need his that. His nickname, actually, last year, JaVale McGee said that uh, they used to call him textbook. I think I think it was... Well, it, no, when he said, like, yeah, it's all of that. Yeah. It, it, big it, fundamental. Right, big fundamental. Oh, well, in his case, a sort of big balding right. fundamental or little balding fundamental, you know, compared to Shaq, who was the original big fundamental. Uh, according to Shaq. Yeah, but it's like he said that again before they went on the road right, trip. Right, but I mean, like, Caruso, Caruso plays very smart while he's yeah. out there. And when you put him out there with guys who are like LeBron, Anthony Davis, you know, Danny Green, uh, Avery Bradley, I think I think even when he's engaged and really wants it, Rondo, Rondo's smart enough to know where he's supposed to go. He's smart enough to know where how everything he else is supposed there, to go. He he, I think when he's engaged, he does. I, I mean, I, and but, on, and again, on this team, on this team, you don't he's get engaged. a lot. You, you, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you won't play. Well, you also, I mean, I, I think I really do. And I think it, the other the guys will call is, you I really out. do think the accountability. Right. The other guys will call you out. I mean, these guys have talked about how they'll, they'll call out LeBron. If LeBron isn't doing the right thing, you know, I mean, they'll let Davis know you're supposed to be here. Like, I mean, there really is enough guys have talked about this unprompted to make me believe this is actually a thing. Mm -hmm. If you're not doing what you're supposed to do, you'll get called out because everybody's supposed to be on the same page because they recognize, look, we're we're trying to win a championship. This is hard. There's no time for screwing around. There's a there's a first season kind of attention to detail with this team that ultimately I think will serve them well as teams get further down like kind of a championship caliber road especially if they've won one if they've been there they whatever it might be like you do tend to lose a little bit of that like we need to be on because you've proven you can do it this team hasn't done that yet so they're still in that place where they're like we have to be on top of it every night. And you have a bunch of guys with championship experience, but none of them who have done it together. And so there's a lot of experience that are lean on, but you can't say, oh, well, guys, come on. We know the Warriors have done it. And you know, eventually, And eventually you do have to really start to moderate your effort because you've played 20 extra games a year for the past three years or whatever it is. But 
you know, I just thought this would happen later in the year, not not five games in. Well, you know, you and I have talked about this before, Brian, but this team reminds me a little bit of the 2009 team that that won a championship. You and I covered that team. And they were the team that was on the heels of well, losing, losing to the Celtics. And not just losing to Boston. They got their asses kicked and humiliated. They, they lost by 39 in game six in Boston with Dancing Gino or whatever his name is doing his thing to you should be dancing. And that season was intense. Mm-hmm. The 2009 team was intense because they showed up pissed off. They showed off wanting to showed up wanting to prove they could do this. But they had not proven it to themselves yet. But I remember they paid attention to all the little details. Like this group, I think, is happier than that group because the, you know this group. That yeah, was, they're getting along better. They don't. They didn't have the bitterness of the. I, loss. I was going to say. I think. I think that the 2019 got along, okay. but they didn't have the bitterness. Like you know, like you'll see after wins. You know, LeBron's really loose. Anthony Davis is really loose. Dwight is loose. You know, music's playing. These guys are shouting stuff back and forth at each other. The 2009 team. When they won games, no, they were, they no. This was they were a team on a mission. Like yes. they were really. It's a cliche, it but it's very true. angry. It was a it was a very angry team. Yes, I, I'm glad you brought that up, and I'm sort of springing this on you because it wasn't on the list. But like an- another prediction that I made was that, and this one I've been 100 percent correct on. I missed the 52 wins thing. Um, had a good reason to believe 52 wins, but I missed. Um. I missed the seating thing. Had good reason. This one I got 100% right to this point. This, that it would be a remarkably drama-free season, especially by Lakers standards. And it's been it's been zero. There's been none of it. <laughs> Nothing. I mean, not a thing. And the reason I thought that was in part because, um, you know, so a I thought they'd just be they'd be good, which would help. But also, you know, you have LeBron who is I think very determined at this point in his career to try to not be the story in that way. LeBron is the coach. LeBron is the GM. LeBron is all these other things. And then LeBron is trying really hard to make sure that Anthony Davis becomes the the center point of this team because you know the Lakers need it. He needs it. All this other stuff. But in the comparisons to these other teams, those teams had plenty of drama, like constantly. And it's in part because that's how Kobe operated kobe thrived on that and he thrived and so did phil finding those places of conflict and little things and tweaking it and and picking at it and and motivating players in that way and so the drama was part of the strategy the conflict was part of the strategy and lebron it's not better it's not worse but it's very different, but you know what? Though you you say that though, Brian. But the tr- but the truth. I know. Is, I think I know where you're going. The truth go is ahead. though, LeBron has often, I think, generated and orchestrated chaos. No, there's and, no question. And, you know, if you talk, especially if you talk to people like Brian Windhorst, uh, you know, Dave McMenamin, our colleagues over at ESPN. Mm-hmm. You know, for people who aren't aware, Brian and I do radio for ESPN LA 710. We we used to write for the dot com, and you know, those guys will say like, you know, LeBron has always liked a certain amount of chaos. But I think LeBron is smart enough to recognize this is not the year. This is not it's all, like the, the time I'm going to have to right. adjust. I will have to adjust some of the things that I may normally do, right? Because and the it's setting also, doesn't make and it it's right. It's also different because he's in a position. You know, the 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 the, the pa- it's and a lot of it's sort of passive aggressive references to Kevin Love and like this 
Instagram posts. He is undoubtedly still very controlling over his environment. He wants things a certain way. He's, he he puts his oh that his locker foot down. room is LeBron's locker yeah, room. yeah, and he puts his foot down on things of like roster move. Like I'm not saying the guy isn't like still part of the machine here. It's not what I'm getting at. But like you say, it's a different context, and he's not going to tweak Anthony Davis publicly in the same way that Pow was tweaked by Kobe, both because Pow isn't, you know, Anthony Davis better than Pow. Love Pow. Anthony Davis better player. But also the the dynamic between the two of them isn't supposed to be A and B. It's supposed to be A and A. Yeah. And so LeBron can't play the Kevin Love dynamic the same way. He can't do it. Even with Kyrie Irving, it was still A, B. And so the, 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 when you put all of those things together and the context of LeBron's career and some of those basic – it's not that LeBron was doesn't like conflict or, or chaos or any of that, but it's, it manifests itself differently than it did with Kobe. And again, I'm not saying one's better than the other. The, the stuff worked with Kobe and Powell really well. They won two titles. They won three with Shaq and Kobe. The drama, Phil's style, all that produced five championships. I'm not complaining about it. But I just mean in terms of seeing this season with no drama, Anthony Davis in a walk year, LeBron James with all the stuff he brings, a new coach with Jason Kidd and his knives out, and all that, nothing. It's remarkable. Yeah. 21-3 has a lot to do with it. But the Lakers had success before, and the drama's just sort of baked in. You expect it. I, I I do think, though, a lot of it goes back to what LeBron has set to make this season be about. And it seems like from the beginning of the Lakers getting Anthony Davis, LeBron was very much about, we are going to build a culture together where we're, we're all going to get on board, buy in together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I think some of it has to do with LeBron recognizing, you know, this is something I've harped on a lot. He's got skin in the game this year that he did not have last year. Skin, muscle, bone, all of it. They revamped this entire team for him. They literally traded an entire— Right. Everybody that wasn't Kyle Kuzma, they traded— to bring in Anthony Davis, and yes, it's self-serving. The Lakers obviously right. Were in it's Anthony not like Davis. in a world where LeBron's not on the team, and you have the opportunity to make that trade. Sure. You still do but it, but they did this to placate LeBron, right? And, and, and they they allowed all of the shit that went on last year, and you know the, the chaos that LeBron created by making it so nakedly clear. I want Anthony Davis, and I don't give a shit. I don't, I don't want any of these right. people. I don't, I don't, They're fine. I don't Get, care trade them all. I how don't much care. it disrupts my own team. Like when these trade rumors are going on, right, and was, clearly my whole team is uncomfortable with this. Veterans you know who, and young players You know who included. I'm going to stand up for? Anthony Davis in New Orleans. Right. That's the guy I'm going to stand up for because that's the guy I care right. about. And, and again, the the results speak for themselves. He's Anthony freaking Davis. Right. And, he's and, an and look, I'm, and I don't think, I don't think the way LeBron did it last His year. Mom would say there was a nice way to do that. Well, just <laughs> I, I think I don't think it's a great way to go about doing it from a leadership standpoint. But right. to, and, the, and and you saw the the results, right? But to LeBron's credit, he's clearly gone about it this year differently. But I think also has recognized like 
the stuff that I've done in the past, this year's not appropriate mm-hmm. for it. Plus, he's been given no reason to do it because everybody from Anthony Davis down has been buying in, playing great right. on and the, the same test page. Will, the test for this comes when, you know, three weeks from now, a month from now, whatever it is, they lose four of six. Sure, but that, but there's, there's whatever no, it for the be. time being, there's no reason to do it. And LeBron's smart enough to recognize you don't yeah. do this stuff for no reason. And, you know, Dwight Howard's not going to complain about anything while you know, nobody winning is, you know, they, they've all talked about this in the locker room too, but like, Winning puts everything into place. You might, you cannot step out in a locker room. You're all upset at this, this, that, whatever. When the team's 21 3, I don't care what you're upset about. You cannot make it a thing because everybody tells you to shut up. We're 21 3. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so we'll see what happens on the road trip. Uh, I have some questions about Baby Yoda and the Mandalorian that we can hold off on for tonight. Um, yeah, I mean, that baby Yoda was really cute. <laughs> it is adorable. I mean, my God. Well, we'll we'll wait till we have a little more time for a deep dive. Yeah, because I, I know you've got some questions. I, have but some, I think they're valid. Baby questions. Yoda has generated questions for me that are not about the Mandalorian, which, by the way, I have not watched. No, but I haven't but, had time. But, but, but baby Yoda's his own thing. Baby Yoda's his own thing, or and her. We're not even I, sure. <laughs> I don't. I I, I had. Remember? I'll just say this. You remember, like Chewbacca for a long time was just Chewbacca. Yeah. And then they went and visited Chewbacca World, mm-hmm. which was filled with Chewbacca's. Yeah, Wookiees. Right, Wookiees. All, they're all over the place. And even then, you knew what he was. You knew he was a Wookiee. Right. You didn't it, see it other It was announced Wookiees. from the beginning. Oh, what is he? He's a Wookiee. Yeah, it stood the Let reason the that Wookiee there was more win. than one. Right. I mean, there needed to at least be two Because otherwise, he would say he's <laughs> the... To create him. Right, he's the Wookiee. Yeah. <laughs> I'm no. just saying, like, there needed to be at least... Too. Yeah. <laughs> Presumably. Wookiee. Yeah. I mean, um, unless he's some sort of donkey <laughs> or a yeah. mule. No, it'd be, was it a donkey or a mule or they're the same? I don't know. What makes a donkey? I, it's like it's a mixture of two things. No, I just meant that there needed, you understand to, be two, what I'm getting there needed to be two parties unless they're like a species that just one is enough. Or like a donkey where you have a horse and something else that mate together and make this thing. Sure. But even then, still needs to you be two parties. Something. It had never, but you nobody ever identified what Yoda is. No, and so it never occurred to me that there were more of them. Maybe it should have, but it never did. You know, it never and did now, to me. <laughs> and, and now I have like a billion okay, questions. So we, we're going to table those about, but just Yoda, but just as a tease, not Baby Yoda, right? But Yoda, we're table them, but as a tease, we're letting people know we're, this, we're this going is to sort get into of where this. I'm going here. We're going to get into this. I have questions. Okay, um, but we'll deal with that. At another time, even though I'm really itching to do it now. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be back for episode eight yes, at some point. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for listening.